Hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosophy. Uh, pretty exciting, I think. We're um, gaining new listeners all the time. Yes, yes. In fact, we are. Uh, some uh, very keen comments in uh, email, especially concerning some gay penguins. <laughs> yeah, so we're, <laughs> we're going to take his advice and we have a follow-up episode on the gay penguin couple. Uh, they'll be coming up on the next uh, Atheist News Network, so yes. keep an eye out for that. You know, uh, if this, if it's been what, seven months, uh, we may even crack two digits as far as listeners. If we keep the, uh, this rate, by November, I think we'll crack two digits. So you're saying we might get ten listeners? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but today, uh, we have decided to review a popular New Age quantum physics documentary piece of shit <clears throat> um, called what the bleep do we know um and if if anything i've learned from this documentary is i wish they were right and i could travel back in time and stop myself from watching this piece of shit that's very true and in fact it took us two attempts because last night it put me to sleep yeah so uh but one good thing is we've actually got a guest speaker here to uh to help us review this now this is the first time it's ever happened, but I can't for the life of me remember what this guest speaker's name is. Her, well, it's a good thing she, she can't hear you, um, because her, her name's Marley Matlin. She was a star of What the Bleep Do We Know, but she happens to be deaf. Uh, uh, well, I guess it's a good thing that uh, she can't hear us and that we just have to type in whatever it is we're talking hey, about. Hey, <laughs> Oh! <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that. Didn't realize that. Sorry, sorry. Hey, dude. Well, that's a little strong. Are you on any medications right now or anything you need to, you know, update? My pills are fine, okay? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> well, she's, she's a little sensitive, but uh, uh, hopefully she'll calm down as the uh, podcast continues. Yeah, well, you know, uh, you never know with deaf women. I didn't understand it. <laughs> I think that was aimed at us, though. <laughs> now she's getting up and leaving. Uh, well, nice job. There goes our guest. I. This is the first time we've ever had a guest walk off. He didn't last five minutes. <laughs> I blame you. <laughs> so <laughs> this podcast um, is about what the bleep do we know, and this. Uh, what's the movie about, Layton? Because I watched the whole thing, and uh, frankly, uh, I don't. I don't know what it's about. Quantum uh, it's, physics? Rooted it's definitely in, in... not quantum physics. This movie <laughs> is very little to do with quantum physics. What the movie is about is getting a lot of people who know some good things about some things and are talking about things that aren't even in their field. Uh, as a matter of fact, what they do is they just uh, give uh, videos of the, video clips of these people and they don't give you even their name, much less their credentials. So it looks like they're all scientists. They're all, you know, specialists in the field they're talking about. Until you get to the end, at the very end of the movie, during the credits, you see their credentials. That, um, uh, I believe, is a clear attempt to uh, put Mislead. these, yeah, the some of these idiots on the same field as the people who really have credentials. Yeah. Um, such as Jay Z Knight, who during this entire thing apparently is channeling Ramtha, who is <laughs> a war a Lemurian. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Lemurian well, warrior. I should try. <laughs> from 35,000 years ago, who led an army of two and a half million uh, against Atlantis <laughs> in like a 10 year war until he almost got killed. And then uh, he spent the next 10 years or something like that meditating and, and learning how to project, you know, astral project and getting and seeing the future and sort of thing. Then he taught all of his people these things and then he ascended into heaven. It's a pretty familiar story, right? Yeah, sounds just like another I've heard. But he promised that he'd come back, much like King Arthur. Of course. <laughs> in England's time of need. And so our time of need apparently was in the late 60s, early 70s. And he returned um, uh, and, uh, I guess, inhabited the body of an obscure, blonde, rather obese Pudgy. woman with, a, was what I was with, with an accent to enlighten us all about this stuff. Um, she's in there. She has absolutely no credentials. There's a theologian in there uh, who shouldn't be talking about this stuff at all. Um, but there are some real people. Um, David Albert, uh, PhD, um, theoretical physics. 
uh, oh, I, I mentioned during the, you know, I missed, in the quack portion, I missed the guy who's on most frequently. Yeah. He takes up the vast majority of video clips. And what does he do? He's a chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't, you know, he doesn't shy away from talking about PET scans and, and neuropeptides and all that stuff. Of course not. Um, Amit Gaswami has a PhD in quantum mechanics. Uh, John Hagelin, which I thought, because we fast-forwarded to the end and looked at who the credentials were, I thought I was going to be impressed by this guy because he has a PhD in physics. I think he teaches at Harvard, or he got his PhD from I Harvard. He, I think it was Stanford, wasn't it? Uh, he got his PhD from Harvard, and he teaches at Stanford, something like yeah. that. This guy is the uh, most Looney Tunes guy of them all. Yeah, yeah, he's just a crackpot throughout the entire thing. And I'm sorry, if I was one of your students, I would shoot myself in the face. Yeah, he apparently is responsible for some flipped U5 supersymmetric unified field theory, and he has a lot of papers. So uh, maybe his stuff on that is really good, you know, his work on that. But when he talks about uh, meditation affecting the crime rate, we'll get into that. It's absolute lunacy. Stuart Hameroff uh, is an anesthesiologist. Yeah, um, but he's clearly talking about things completely outside of his field. No, he puts people to sleep all the time. Yeah, yeah, and that obviously makes him an ex <laughs> expert on brains. On consciousness. Uh, Daniel Manti, uh, I think, or Monty, uh, he's an MD, he's a psychiatrist, well well healed to talk about um, quantum mechanics. Yeah. Andrew Neuberg, I think, is a radiologist. Um, this guy actually, I believe, has um, special expertise in nuclear medicine. So if anyone should be talking about PET scans, it's this guy. But who do they put on for PET scans? The chiropractor. chiropractor. Yeah. Uh, Candace Pert, PhD. They never bother telling us what her PhD is. They just list her as holder of patents for modified peptides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that, and the first thing what? I'm looking at is PhD in what, what and what patents are you holding for peptides? Yeah, she was pretty loopy too. And then the the blonde lady is listed in the end, and she's funny to talk to. We'll have to play some clips from her uh, because she's channeling this uh, Ramtha. Her name's Jay Z Knight. Um, she has zero credentials. Jeffrey Santanover uh, is a psychiatrist as well. They, they seem to be overrepresented on this psychiatrist. Yeah. Uh, but he also has a master's in physics, so he's pursuing his PhD. Well, if if psychiatry is anything like what's in my family and my brother getting his master's in psychiatry, they're all loony. If they're as loony as my brother. Your so. brother needs to go to medical school to get uh, any degree in psychiatry. Oh, psychology. That's what <laughs> well, I don't know. It's all the yeah. same thing. Isn't it? Just oh, soft, that hurts. It's just a oh, soft Oh, my God, science. that hurts. It's a soft <laughs> science. I'm sorry. Psychiatrists have MDs and they can prescribe medicine. Psychologists are... Uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's all crackpot fields right. as far as I'm concerned. William Tiller, PhD, Material Science and Engineering. I didn't hear him talk about material science and engineering at all. All he was talking about is a four-layer bio bodysuit and uh, spirits. <laughs> yeah, that was just crazy. And then Fred Allen Wolf uh, has a PhD in physics, and um, as you know, him uh, that guy I liked for the most part. And the uh, the David Albert, the first guy. I think there was one other one that they talked about physics, and, and it sounded like if they were in the classroom, it would be okay. But in the context of this um, discussion. It was taken way out of context in there. Stuff then was followed by complete morons. Well, see, I would love to actually get them on the show so we can ask them, is this really what you meant, or did they just twist what you were saying into, into right, what they yeah. want? Oh, she decided to she, come she's back. She's back. <laughs> well, well, we'll try not to offend you around here anymore. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully she'll stay with us. Well, we talk about this stuff. All right, let's. Um, the way I'd like to do this is let's roll through some quotes, and then uh, some quotes are so good that we're going to have to uh, play them for you because they're absolutely unbelievable unless you hear them in in the person's voice themselves. Now, for those of you who we suggested that you pick up this movie and watch it, now that I've actually seen it, I want to take away that i apologize do not go out don't and watch, watch this don't watch it if you feel like you must watch it i think the best route of doing that is finding one of your friends who's a moron and we all have them yeah yeah charlie's who, got several who has purchased the movie already and then just borrow it and if you happen to break it into a million pieces well the world will be better off yes yes i mean using it for a frisbee is always good fun <laughs> all right so the we're going to start with candace pert she's the phd in who knows what but she does hold several um, peptide patents. 
as, yeah. <laughs> Here's what she says. Some of the things we're seeing with children today is a sign that the culture is in the wrong paradigm and not appreciating the power of thought. Obviously, because we're not seeking out medicine men, then uh, we're missing the paradigm. It's the, it's the same old, oh, things are so bad today. If we just oh. knew what the ancients knew and we just rolled the clock back a couple hundred years, the kids were all great. Yeah, I despise this way of thinking. I mean, seriously, this world is so bad. At, look into history, the Persians, what we, they did. I we mean, don't even need history. We can go back to the Bible yeah. where those uh, group of kids... Oh, there are like 40 of them who are making fun of um, Elisha the prophet because he had a bald head. Yeah. The bald head, the bald head. And he got pissed off and uh, called a bear, uh, two she-bears to she come out of the forest and they and killed them. them all. Those are bad kids. Yeah. Those that are was, really you know, bad kids. And they got punished properly for this. <laughs> that's when God was still doing miracles like raising the dead and causing fire to come down. Well, maybe and, that's what she means because we don't have God out here throwing miracles true. in our faces. We're not it's because we're not appreciating the power no, of thought. Absolutely. Uh, this next one's really good. Um, this is from Jeffrey Satinover. He's the psychiatrist who's pursuing the PhD in physics. Modern materialism strips people of the need to feel responsible. I think if you take quantum mechanics seriously enough, it puts the responsibility squarely in your lap. What the hell quantum physics has to do with morality or responsibility, I have no idea. Except one of my beginning philosopher teachers was so angry because we were talking about free will and determinism. Yeah. He said, look, if you guys are going to go into philosophy, if I see one more goddamn uh, thesis on how quantum mechanics, because it's all probabilities and chance... Freeze us from determinism. I'm going to vomit. <laughs> because if it's all probabilities and chance, that gives us no more free will than determinism. It's Then it's just, it's not determined, but it's all random. So maybe that's what he's talking about. It, you know, materialism, I think he's confusing with determinism. Well, see, I, I, I was very confused by that too. So basically, the more we buy, the less we feel responsible. I want to see... <laughs> I think he means materialism in the terms of matter, <laughs> oh. not consumerism. You get it? <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. There's my stupidity for the day. Thank you, everybody, for joining. <laughs> so, <laughs> just let me know when you're feeling a little out of your depth. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I do have a PhD in peptides. <laughs> <laughs> If he can ever show me where in the equations of Bohr or Schrodinger, um, Heisenberg, any of the, the um, quantum physics, or God, pull an article out from any journal of quantum physics and show me where it addresses personal responsibility. Oh, I'm sure there was one in Amer or Scientific America I'm just last year. Sure of it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, you know what I think I'd like to do is play the quote clips from uh, Ramtha, so everyone gets the uh, Yeah, gets the gist of how it. special Ramtha is. Is everyone a mystery? Is everyone an enigma? And they certainly are. Uh, thank God. I just, I have to say, thank God for Ramtha. Yeah. Um, we'll get more of his uh, wisdom a little bit later on. As to what that has to do with quantum mechanics. <laughs> Shut up. Ramtha is a 35,000-year-old warrior. He knows more than you do. Yeah, what's he doing talking about quantum mechanics then? He's a warrior from 35,000 years ago. He meditated a lot. A whole lot, I guess. Um, all right, so this next one is, is the first of a long series of clips from Joe Dispenza, the chiropractor. <laughs> so here we go. Scientific experiments have shown that if we take a person and hook their brains up to certain PET scans or computer technology... Okay, so that... That's how much he knows. <laughs> yeah, PET scans. You don't, you don't hook their brains up to PET scans <laughs> or any computer technology. You just put them in a tube. Maybe you give them some like um, some dyes. radionuclides yeah. that, that, that are dye, or you know, you tag the glucose, um, but you don't hook them up to anything. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure you're you're plugging or, in just like the Matrix or some or some computer technology. Yeah, or yeah, PET scans is the only thing this guy can name. <laughs> And ask them to look at a certain object, and they watch certain areas of the brain light up, and then they ask them to close their eyes and now imagine that same object. And when they imagine that same object, it produced the same areas of the brain to light up as if they were actually visually looking at it. So it caused scientists to back up 
and ask this question. So who sees them? Does the brain see or do the eyes see? And what is reality? Is reality what we're seeing with our brain or is reality what we're seeing with our eyes? And the truth is, is that the brain does not know the difference between what it sees in its environment and what it remembers because the same specific neural nets are then firing. So then it asks the question, what is reality? Good God. There are so many misunderstandings, like fundamental misunderstandings in that it's hard to even address. Um, I don't know what specific training you get as a chiropractor, but I can guarantee you this. They have no courses in basic logic. No. That is a non sequitur. The fact that both areas light up does not follow that the brain has no idea what is What's the difference? external yeah. and what is internal. And that It would follow if we uh, showed him a picture of a rubber duck and then we asked him to imagine a rubber duck and then we asked the person which one of those was real. <laughs> God, I can't tell. I don't know. Yeah, is it those same areas of my brain are, are, are firing up? Look, um, is it possible uh, that maybe your pattern recognition systems are firing up when you remember the image of that rubber duck? No. <laughs> No. The rubber duck no. is created when you imagine it. <laughs> I, it. It doesn't follow. And and then it caused science to back up and say, so he, who sees this? Was it the brain? Is it the, the eyes are an extension of the brain, you idiot. Yeah. Um, they are. If you remove the brain, they're connected through the optic nerve to the eye. It's an eye outpouching of the brain. Um, they're the same thing. <sighs> God. <laughs> uh, and then they ask, what, what is reality? That's not a what, scientific what led question. Them to that I mean, so your brain is remembering this, and all of a sudden they're questioning reality. Where's it's a philosoph- the correlation? It's a philosophical question, and Joe Dispenza, chiropractor, is not equipped to deal with <laughs> philosophical questions. Well, have you checked his equipment then? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Candace Pert makes a reappearance, our peptide holder. Well, the way our brain is wired... Oh my God, this is one of my favorites. Yeah. The way our brain is wired up, we only see what we believe is possible. We match patterns that already exist within ourselves through conditioning. So a wonderful story that I believe is true... <laughs> no research, she believes it's true. That's good enough. Yeah. It is that when the Indians, the Native American Indians on the Caribbean islands, saw Columbus's ships approaching... They couldn't see them at all because it was so unlike anything they had ever seen before. They couldn't see it. Now, before we get into the depth of this stupidity, I would like to point out the long 20 minutes of them with an Indian standing there, painted up, staring off at sea, and then he starts poking the deaf girl in the forehead. How do you know the fit? Yeah, um, we'll get into the story a little bit later. <laughs> I want to address right now we match patterns that already exist within ourselves through conditioning. If we can't see stuff before we're conditioned to recognize them, how do those patterns get there in the first place? See, that's a good question. Now, the funny thing is, is she points out here that the Native Americans couldn't see Columbus's ships. Well, what happens when Columbus gets off and pulls out a gun, and a sword, something to that effect? Is it they don't see them because, well, I don't recognize that. Yeah, yeah um, our chiropractor goes into a little more detail. Oh, goody. When Columbus's armada landed in the Caribbean, none of the natives were able to see the ships even though they existed on the horizon. The reason that they never saw the ships was because they had no knowledge in their brains or no experience that clipper ships existed. So the shaman starts to notice that there are ripples out in the ocean. But he sees no ship, but he starts to wonder what's causing the effect. So every day he goes out and looks and looks and looks. And after a period of time, he's able to see the ships. And once he sees the ships, he tells everybody else that the ships exist out there. Because everybody trusted him and believed in him, they saw them also. Now, my first bullshit flag running up on here is, you've got Columbus's ships on the horizon. The horizon is about 20 miles out. Before it drops down, you're not able to see anything. How do you know the fit? Well, the bastard child of the military <laughs> does know a little bit. <laughs> 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 
and 20 miles out is the horizon, so you're telling me... That's better than an eagle's vision. Yeah. No, bullshit. Now, it's 20 miles to the... You know, <laughs> shut up, I'm talking here. So even 20 miles, even if I'm wrong about that, which I'm not, that <laughs> Columbus took days to sail 20 miles in? Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering, and so he has days, days, days to come in and out, in right? And out, and Columbus is just like, whew, we can see land, we just can't make it there. Paddle! <laughs> Why is the sails not working? No wonder it took us months to get across the Pacific. And, and this, this actually smacks a little bit Wait, of... Wait, it's Atlantic he came across. This, <laughs> this actually smacks a little bit uh, of, of racism or prejudice toward these early peoples. Because, you know, they're they're too stupid to see the ships. Yeah. They're just too dumb. They don't know about ships, and so they can't see them. What I'd like to know, they look out there, they don't see the ship. Apparently, for them, and them alone, the light bends around the ship because they can't see it, but they can see the horizon. And the ripples. And the ripples. And the ripples. So what are they seeing uh, on the ocean that displacing around the... Now, not only are we talking ripples, but wouldn't there be displacement of water? So wouldn't there be a hole where right. the actual is that hole right? of the so ship the light, is? The light bends around the ship, bounces off the the hole, uh, and then bounces off that water that that the ship is riding on, and then hits the eye. You know, this is one of the most ridiculous wait, things. Wait, wait. I've ever I had. have to defend Joe because I remember as a child when viewing a computer for the first time <laughs> that I mean I could not view it, and I yeah. had to wait for my father to poke me in the forehead and tell me to believe it. That's true. That one Christmas when I got an Apple IIc, I opened the box and there was nothing in the box. Yeah. My dad, who was familiar with them. Poked me in the forehead, and, and then I could see the computer. <laughs> God, this is stupid. Okay, so the question is, where in the hell are they getting this crap? Yeah, where did the story... Now, we like to point out that it took us five minutes to find the actual story. Yeah, it required, you know, strenuous, vigorous keyboarding on Google to find this. Yep, yep. Uh, we got an article, and this tells you exactly what's going on. The story actually traces back to Captain Cook. <laughs> <laughs> and not even in America... Captain Cook. Captain Cook, and his landing in Australia, not the Caribbean, or Caribbean, or whatever you call it, in April 1770. In other first encounters, the locals sailed or paddled out to meet Cook's ship. At Sandwich Sound in Alaska, they came in canoes, showing open hands a sign of friendship. Blah, blah, blah. But when Cook arrived in Australia, his ship drew no reaction. According to the historian Robert Hughes, Quote, it was the largest artifact ever seen on the east coast of Australia, an object so huge, complex, and unfamiliar as to defy the natives' understanding. Now, this is clearly the origin of the tale of the invisible ships. It was only when the Europeans landed in canoes that the natives took action. Quote, the sight of men in small boats was comprehensible to them. It meant invasion. So it wasn't that they couldn't see it, that light was somehow not reaching their brain, <laughs> bouncing off their retina and not getting their acceptable lobe. Um, it, they just didn't know what to make of it. And so they continued doing as they did right. until they realized, oops, this oh is Oh my a God, there, yeah, here's a threat. This I can understand. And they probably talked about it. They probably looked at it. But, you know, what can you do about something like that? You don't know what to do about it, so you wait to react. Yeah, uh, you know, the villagers also saw but ignored. Soon after this, an old woman followed by three children came out of the wood. She often looked at the ship but expressed neither surprise nor concern. Clearly, uh, <laughs> the ship was invisible to them all. Yes, yes, they... The light bent around it, and there was nothing but ripples on the wall. Yeah, and I can't blame these guys. They're making a multi-million dollar documentary. Uh, they can't afford to spend uh, five enough time yeah. to pay someone, or even themselves, five minutes on the Google search. Well, obviously, they're expecting these uh, PhD uh, in peptides and a chiropractor to know what they're talking about. Why is she well, calling look. us Amanda? <laughs> His name's Leighton, but I agree. Yeah, that, that's can't not be very nice. Asshole. I mean... Call me Shirley, at least. <laughs> uh, the next quote is by Fred Allen Wolf. This is one of the guys I like. He's got a PhD in physics. He says, uh, there is no out there, out there, independent of what's going on in here. Would you like to translate that? I have no idea what context he's taking. Uh, I think he's saying that, have you ever heard, philosophically, have you ever heard the... The, the philosophical idea that if a tree falls in a forest, of course, doesn't make it doesn't a sound, make blah, blah, sound. blah, blah. Um, he's getting at the idea that in order to understand things that are out there, we uh, have to process them in here. In here, therefore, and we don't it's the have, same concept as the falling tree. Right. We don't have any um, external corroboration. We, we can't get outside of our brains. Our, our brains can't 
jump out and independently verify, other than through our five senses, what's going on. I My think that's what he said. All the time, not leaks out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I think is what he's saying. I'm not quite sure, but I think that's what he's saying. What they're saying then is that the only reality that exists is inside. <laughs> yeah. Right. That um, there is no outside world. This is what they jump on and move forward with. There is no outside world. It's only we create the outside world. Yeah. And see, the problem is, is like me, I am not trained in philosophy. And so he says that and they instantly say, oh, he agrees exactly with what we're trying right. to teach here. And actually, when he's saying that, he's making a comment about observers and waves collapsing into particles and that sort of thing. Um, I believe that's what he's talking about. If he's not, if he's talking about philosophy, he's way outside of his, his um, league. I mean, way he, of his training. Yeah, his and, training well, it would follow with the rest of the people in the movie talking about things that aren't within right. the area of expertise. Um, Jeffrey Satinover, the psychiatrist, um, <laughs> but also has an MS in physics. There, are, there actually are choices in the direction of how a life can go that are contingent upon small level quantum effects not being washed out. What in the hell? I have no idea what. So he's saying the small quantum physics particles, if they shift a little bit, then our direction of life changes. Not a matter of us changing our mind and saying, well, I'm going to decide to do this. I mean, what the hell are you talking about? I'm really, really reaching here. Um, but there is a many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics where each choice branches, branches off, off, sets a. makes yeah, up an entirely new universe, right? And yeah. so. If, like Schrodinger's cat, for example, you close the box, it has a um, nuclear decay, and if it decays, it sets off uh, this toxic gas that kills only cats, fortunately. <laughs> when you open the box, you know. You, um, <laughs> so, while that box is closed, the cat's in two superpositions, right? But when you open that box, you'll create a branch. One universe, the cat lives. The other universe, the radioactive material has decayed, has undergone a decaying event. And the cat's dead. That actually creates two. Uh, and two so what, what he may be saying is that on these small levels, according to the many worlds interpretation, we do make uh, our life is contingent upon. But my God, once you get into the macro realm where these things are bouncing off each other and collapsing all the time, we have nice Newtonian laws and, and relativity where it, it's nice and predictable for the most part. Um, we don't have this quantum weirdness above the level of quantum physics. <laughs> yes, we do. The psychiatrist is telling us so, we do. So if you got a cat, <laughs> it wouldn't actually exist in the superposition of a both alive and dead, right? That's just a thought experiment that uh, Schrodinger made up that doesn't actually equate to reality. Oh, I think there's a cat in a box somewhere. Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right, here's another one from our psychiatrist. The most solid thing you can say about all this insubstantial matter is that it's more like a thought. It's like a concentrated bit of information. So I can see where they're going with this. The setup for this is that what we think of solid matter isn't actually solid, right? Yeah. Uh, most yeah. of its mass is tied up in the nucleus, which is a very tiny portion of the atom or molecule. And uh, the rest of it's vacuum. And then you have valence shells of electrons, but it's this massive uh, amount of empty space, basically. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Um, it's still solid to us. I mean, we touch things. The electromagnets push our hands away. Sure. It, it, the electrical charge uh, is negative. It repulses the negative uh, charge of our fingers. If you really think that matter is insubstantial, I invite you to jump off a cliff. Yeah, I invite you to walk through the wall right now and I, yell at us. I, <laughs> I think that the electrical charge will do... Just a fine job of uh, stopping Putting your stop. acceleration very quickly. <laughs> yes, yes, but I'd like to see you those, slip between that insubstantial matter. Those thoughts and concentrated bits of information will kill you. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe uh, our little chiropractor, who later on you'll understand what I'm talking about when I say that he concentrates on making his day what it is each yeah. day. Yeah. Maybe we can have him concentrate hard enough as we shove him off a cliff to yeah. survive. Yeah, the theologian as well believes we can walk on water, but we'll get to those. Oh, jeez. It's only in conscious experience. This is from our anesthesiologist. 
It's only in conscious experience that it seems that we move forward in time. In quantum theory, you can also go backwards in time. Well, you can also go backwards in time in, in general relativity as well, but it requires a wormhole and exotic matter to keep that wormhole open. <laughs> so good luck with that. I'm sure I keep exotic matter and a wormhole in my back pocket oh, half God. the time. All right, this one comes from our psychiatrist again. We love it. This guy and the chiropractor, they love. They love these guys. Well, of course, they're crazy. They are crazy. <laughs> A particle which we think of as a solid thing really exists in a so-called superposition, a spread-out wave of possible locations, and it's in all of those at once. The instant you check on it, it snaps into just one of those possible positions. Now that's actually a fairly okay definition of the two-slit experiment, where you send you know, uh, a wave through one photon at a time. And in a single slit, it, it just goes and makes a single beam of light. In two slits, if uh, you send it through, it'll interfere with itself, even if, which only happens with a wave even if you send it one photon at a time. So it actually exists in a superposition of different states until you check on it. But what, they're, what they move from here is that clearly we're the observer. And yeah. so when we check on stuff, it, its waveform collapses and, you know, and um, we're able, to, we're able yeah. to collapse it into the waveform that we want, basically. Yeah. Um, but again, <laughs> this stuff, while it's theoretically possible at molecular levels, um, it is extremely difficult because we're not the observers. Any anything can be an observer. If a molecule bounces that that hasn't collapsed into a wave function bounces into another molecule, it collapses. That molecule can be said to be the observer. So it's 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 a machine is an observer. Human beings are observers. At this at this level, we we require machines to be observers. We can <laughs> observe. Or we this can't stuff. observe it ourselves. Right. So the funny thing is they actually talk about taking pictures of some of this stuff, which is just right. idiotic. Which is, um, I'd love, uh, no references to any of this stuff. We have to look all this stuff up ourselves. All right, so here's one I think is misconstrued as well, or he's going well outside of his area of expertise. This is Fred Allen Wolf, the, the physics PhD. We know what an observer does from the point of view of quantum physics, but we don't know who or what the observer actually is. That doesn't mean we haven't tried to find an answer. We've looked. We've gone inside your head. We've gone into every orifice you have. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm I've sure he's gone into that. your orifices, but uh, <laughs> mine this, are exit only on some. This is the guy that flies around <laughs> kidnapping people and probing <laughs> them. Well, now we know where the alien theory came from. <laughs> We've gone into every orifice you have to find something called an observer, and Maybe there's nobody he's home. fingering Jesus too. <laughs> There's nobody in the brain. There's nobody in the cortical regions of the brain. Well, that's kind of covered by the first. Yeah. There's nobody in the subcortical regions or limbic regions of the brain. I get it. Covered by the first. Yeah. There's nobody there called an observer. And yet we've all had this experience of being something called an observer, observing the world out there. Now you're talking about consciousness. You're no longer talking about quantum mechanics. Yep. Um, the uh, neuroscientists should be discussing consciousness. Um, people who discuss artificial intelligence, uh, philosophers, computer scientists, People who specialize in this field should be talking about this. A physicist, probably not. And yet, once again, steps out of his field to slap us with his opinion. Right. If you don't think that the observer, the, the thing that, that we think of as us, resides within the brain, I would, um, again, invite you to remove your brain and see <laughs> how, how much uh, teaching and professing you can end up doing after that. Yeah. And seriously, this that whole comment was just kind of retarded. You can remove a lot of organs. Uh, the brain is not one of them. And, you know, it, you get punched in the head and you lose consciousness, right? I mean, yeah. that's where our consciousness resides. Yeah, exactly. All right. So right next... Can you do an Indian accent on this one? This is Amit. I am horrible with accents. Amit Gusarami, PhD in physics. Quantum physics calculates only possibilities. But if we accept this, then the question immediately comes, who or what chooses among these possibilities to bring the actual event of experience? So we directly, immediately see that consciousness must be involved. The observer cannot be ignored. How do you know this yet? <laughs> so quantum physics, apparently in the 1930s and 40s when it was being kind of shaped, yeah. uh, they, they discussed consciousness right off the bat. Of course, that, that makes perfect yeah. sense because, yeah, so closely related fields. Yeah, you, you're going outside. Philosophy of and physics, yeah. <laughs> This guy's wonderful. He's material science. Um, yeah, William, William Tiller. All right, now, in my modeling, the observer is the spirit inside the four-layer bio-body suit. 
And so it's like the ghost in the machine. It is the consciousness that's the driving the vehicle. There is no spirit. There is no test you can do to detect a spirit. I think I figured out his four layers. Blood, muscle, bone, and skin. The four humors. <laughs> <laughs> We're leached out. Yeah. All right. The next one is wonderful. And I'm actually, this guy is such a nutcase. I can't even paraphrase this, so now again we're going to go and have him talk himself. In Washington, D.C., the so-called murder capital of the world, there was a big experiment in the summer of 1993 where 4,000 volunteers came from 100 countries to collectively meditate for long periods of time throughout the day. It was predicted in advance that with such a sized group, you'd have a 25% drop in violent crime, as defined by the FBI, in Washington that summer. Well, the chief of police went on television saying that, look, it's going to take two feet of snow to reduce crime by 25% in Washington, D.C. this summer. But by the end, the police department became a collaborator and author of this study because the results, in fact, showed a 25% drop in violent crime in Washington, D.C., which we could predict on the basis of 48 previous studies that had already been done on a smaller scale. Now, you all should have seen Charlie's in my face when we actually heard him talking about this. We both just kind of looked at each other and went, what the hell is he talking about? So, off to the internet again. Yes, yes. Another five minutes of research. This was rigorous. Oh, it was painful to find. Here's the Hagelin study. Pretty much all you need to do is uh, read this part. It's in the Wikipedia page on uh, Transcendental Meditation in the City Program. Uh, so he's, he did a study on the Maharishi Effect by John Hagelin, this Harvard dude, um, gathered a group of 4,000 participants, and, and he had them do transcendental meditation and yogic flying. <laughs> <laughs> I'd really like to see that yogic flying. In the District of Columbia. It was a two-month period over the summer of 1993. So he had a 1994 press conference to announce the analysis of the study. He said that during the period of the experiment, Washington, D.C. experienced a significant reduction in psychiatric emergency calls, Fewer complaints against the police and an increase in public approval of President Clinton. <laughs> what the hell? All of which was consistent with the hypothesis that a coherence-creating group of practitioners of the TM City program can relieve social stress and reverse negative social trends. Overall, according to preliminary data released by the police department, there was an 18% reduction in violent crime, he told the press. When a reporter asked, an 18% reduction compared to what? Hagelin answered, compared to the level of violent crime had the study not taken place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... Another, a well-known and well-respected um, scientist, I think his name was Park, called this um, study a clinic in data manipulation. And that sentence gives you an idea why. He just projects what he thinks the violent crime is going to be, <laughs> and then he says, well, it's, you know, compared to that, we've had an 18% reduction. Yeah. yeah, now the interesting thing is, wasn't there a 13% rise in murders? That... Murders had an all-time high in July of 1993. <laughs> all-time high uh, for Washington, D.C. in the month of July. Yeah. Obviously, that is not considered a violent crime. So that was another this. article. Some um, sarcastic person said, well, maybe they murdered them more humanely during that month. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. They were uh, very nice about killing each other. Um, the next one that really blew my mind was the uh, water crystal study. Yeah. Now, this one... It's kind of funny. How the, how the study goes is uh, there was a Japanese fella who... Emoto Masura, I think was his name. Yeah, like you're saying that properly. I'm sure I am. Anyway, he, he taped onto bottles words and figured that the words would uh, change the effects on water. And so, like, one was love, one was peace, another was... I hate you, I will kill you. Yeah, he, he wrote these in various languages. He also played music and had a Buddhist priest uh, carry out a blessing over some of this water. It was distilled water, and he took pictures of it before, and he took pictures of it after. And amazingly enough, everything where there was nice and pretty stuff produced very pretty snowflakes, very pretty crystalline images. But as soon as it got to the hateful stuff, it was angry water everywhere. It was <laughs> green and yellow. It was angry water. Yeah. Um, so I looked into the study itself. Um, again, the, this internet is an amazing... There's this new uh, technology called the internet. Yes. yes it's you amazing. You can find information <laughs> with quick searches. 
So I searched a study, and here's a study. What he did was he had a group of volunteers take pictures of the distilled water beforehand. And then what he did was he put his little words on there or played his music or did his little blessings. And then he froze them because this isn't this is clearly these, these pictures are, are crystals. Yeah, they're crystalline. You, <laughs> Obviously crystalline. You take one look at them and you're like, how, how the right. hell is that? Just it looks like water. a snowflake. Yeah. So when he, he froze them for like three hours and then brought them back and, and had a bunch of um, photographers or something take pictures, lab assistants uh, of the stuff. He mentions nothing about being blinded. And that's a huge thing. About if, if, being blinded? Yeah. you got to blind oh, the study. Oh, the blind study. Okay, I thought you were you saying you got to give them blinded. slides that have uh, something that says like A1 or B2 yeah, or exactly. X3. All it had was this is love, this is... He mentions nothing about any blinding done. So what I'm assuming is the photographers knew that this was... The slides were labeled Chi of Love or whatever. And what they looked for was nice little things. Nice little happy snow crystals and flakes and stuff like that. Um, James Randi, uh, he has this $1 million challenge. He actually publicly said, hey, I'll give you a million dollars if you can reproduce the effects of that study in a double-blinded protocol. Now, that silence. would be something to see. Yeah. <laughs> Total silence. Now, where is this uh, Japanese scientist now? Why isn't he reproducing the study and proving everybody wrong? Well, um, I looked him up on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Took you five minutes, I'm sure. And it took me five minutes to find out that they, they call him Dr. Emoto. He uh, got a degree from the Open International University in India. It's a diploma mill. An MD degree costs $500 and a PhD costs $350. No classes or tests required. Uh, you know, I'm kind of glad that an MD costs more than a PhD. Dude, I am going to India. <laughs> My MD, which I spent roughly $100,000 on, I could have purchased for $150 more than your average PhD. I am so going to India. <laughs> so, you know, no protocols, no blinding, um, but he does, coincidentally enough, sell a book that you can buy. Multiple books called Messages in Water, blah, 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 etc., etc. Um, absolutely horrible. Anyway, that that's enough of that crap. Yeah, um, yeah but they, obviously the whole, blatantly wrong. The whole idea of this movie rests on that stupid study that clearly our thoughts and, and the word, as if the water molecules out inside of a plastic bottle can be influenced by writing in different languages taped outside the bottle. Now, it's ridiculous. My first question that comes to mind. And they say, mind, and think about this. Your body's 90% water. Uh, no, it isn't. <laughs> 70% yeah, maybe. It's about 70, 75%. No, no. It, yeah, well, the thing that goes through my head is how many different languages do, does water actually speak? I mean, if, if it's not only speak, but read and write. I mean, this is intelligent it's stuff. Really, right the water now. molecules are literate. Yeah, that's that's amazing, amazing stuff, right? Um, all right, so our next one, this is from our wonderful theologian. I love, yes, I love yes, this This one. guy is this just great. as cracked up as the rest of them. Oh, actually, before we exit... One thing I wanted to point out with uh, with the movie is they have the deaf girl actually drawing on herself and then climbing into a tub of water to change her circumstances. Right. So she's, anyway, she's thinking happy thoughts. Thinking I mean, the happy whole thoughts. whole idea, the, the underlying premise rests on this ridiculous study. Yeah, and because of that imagery, her lying in a bathtub with drawings all over. I wonder how many people have actually tried that since watching this. How do you know this shit? Yeah, how you do you know that shit? Well, I was watching the movie. <laughs> I mean, just because I can hear and see doesn't mean you have to get on my case about that. Well, not everybody has to like me. You get it? <laughs> Oof. Oh, I, I don't know what happened there. I think she farted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to get on your bad side. Oh, uh, another thing about... She um, routinely in this um, movie answers phones, <laughs> and her her roommate. The, the one hears of my a, favorite she hears a, Her cell phone ring. Yeah, she hears her cell phone ring. Her roommate walks up to her, and this is the first time we notice this. She's looking away, off in thought, and her roommate slaps on the wall a couple times, and she instantly snaps up, looking at her. How is she hearing that? Well, you know what's probably happening? She's like Daredevil, and since she went deaf, her other senses are, are um, heightened. So what, she's tasting the state. vibrations? She's feeling the vibrations. Feeling? No, I'd, I'd say tasting. <laughs> <laughs> she probably smelled her coming through. Hey, dude. One of the funniest things was 
Um, she, uh, I guess she got cheated on by her husband, her character in the yeah, film. Yeah, and it's something brought up over and over again. She can't get past it. This is why she has such negative feelings. Because she's a photographer and she goes to weddings. She hates going to weddings, you know, because it brings back these terrible memories. And they play during one of the interludes a message left on her answering machine by the husband. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt she ever got that. That's probably what and they probably could have made up. Yeah, very well. I mean, didn't you know she was deaf? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't you have left her a note? I mean, wrote her an email or something? She's deaf. <laughs> Obviously not in this movie. I think she was faking it. Hey, I can read her. Oh, <laughs> she's back to that Maybe again. she has one of those answering machines that has <laughs> lip <laughs> Some little rubber lips that just start <laughs> flapping. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Oh God! Well, I'm gonna go to hell for that one. If <laughs> <laughs> you want to read this that one, we would have to believe in hell first before we go there. Outer, All right, outer darkness. Outer dark. All right. This is from our theologian friend. If you accept with every rudiment of your being that you will walk on water, will it happen? Yes, it will. Of Do course, you... it will. Yeah. <laughs> Happens all the time. Yeah, I, I walk on water every time I go to take a bath. It's very difficult for me to actually get clean because I can't get in the water. Negative thoughts. Negative, Negative thoughts. thoughts, yeah, yeah. But you know it's like positive thinking. It's a wonderful idea, positive thinking. But what it usually means is that I have a little smear of positive thinking covering a whole mass of negative thinking. Yeah, so that's why we can't do it. Because we think we're thinking positively, but really we're thinking negatively underneath. And so we're just we kind of spreading water. peanut butter on top. Of it. Uh, you know, he says he can do it. Again, I'd like to invite you to do it. Yeah. Obviously, uh, I wonder where this theologian got the idea of walking on water. Yeah, right. Hmm. All right. Again, our chiropractor. This guy's just a wealth of knowledge. Oh, not this quote. I wake up in the morning and I consciously create my day the way I want it to happen. Of where I'm actually intentionally creating my day. But here's the thing, when I create my day, <laughs> and out of nowhere, little things happen that are so unexplainable, I know that they're the process or the result of my creation, and the more I do that, the more I build the neural net in my brain, that I accept that that's possible. Uh, it gives me the power and the incentive to do it the next day. Well, I want to ask a, 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 just a small question to our chiropractor here between uh, spinal adjustments. Yes. Um, if these little things that happen are unexplainable, how do you know they're the process of uh, the stuff you're creating in your brain? Thank you very much. Th this dude is sitting around creating his day and constantly getting hit with the unexplainable chaos. He's like a walking argument from ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> if it's unexplainable, it is unexplainable. You cannot replace it. a lack of explanation with whatever you decide to throw in there. Sure you can. He just did. Yeah. Yeah, it's unexplainable, and therefore it's because of him creating his own day. All right, here we go. We are going to talk uh, about Ramtha. We're, we're getting some, I guess, sexual advice from Ramtha now? Always, but will it pass Mike's sexual advice? <laughs> it only takes one thought here for a man to have an erection in his member. So, it, it only takes one thought, I guess, here in his brain for a man to have an erection in his member. My question to Ramtha... Who apparently is a man. Yes. Where else can he have an erection? I have it in my pinky finger all the time. <laughs> Sometimes my ears get erections. <laughs> an erection in his member. Thank you for specifying that, Ramtha. I never would have guessed. It yes. was actually his member. Yes, yes. Let's see. Uh, I have a thought. Oh, there goes my big toe. Oh, my God. My knee is erect now. <laughs> and what a retarded statement anyway. Uh, it takes one thought... I'm thinking boobs right now. I don't have any part of me erecting. Uh, Ramtha is full of knowledge, so uh, let's, let, let's listen to what else he has to say. The closest science has ever come to explaining Jesus' interpretation that the mustard seed was larger than the kingdom of heaven. And the only science that can fit into that analogy is quantum physics. First of all, what the hell is interpretation? I'm still trying to figure that out. Jesus' interpretation. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that one. Um, we, we got some more. What kind of technology do we have, Ramtha? <laughs> we have great technology from anti-gravity magnets and magnetic fields of zero point energy. We have all that and we still have this ugly, superstitious, 
backwater concept of God. Uh, <laughs> where are you keeping these anti-gravity magnets? <laughs> I would, I would really like to see them. I mean, superconducting magnets can, you know, lift uh, stuff and have it um, hover around. I suppose that's anti-gravity, but they don't function in anti-gravity. It's just magnetic. Yeah, it's force. just magnetic force. Zero-point energy. You know, all these idiots from the New Age uh, movement will talk about zero-point energy. It just doesn't exist. Uh, total. Total moron here. I, I but really, Ramtha, um, you can't blame Jay-Z Knight because this is Ramtha talking about it. Yeah. Um, I want to know how Ramtha knows God any better than <laughs> anyone else. He's dead. He's up there with God right now in that mustard seed. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Let's turn to the theologian. What does he have to say? People fall into line very readily when they're threatened by these cosmic sentences of everlasting punishment. But this is not how God is. Well, I notice you and I have stepped right into line. Well, <laughs> again, Mikhail, how do you know how God is? What, what right do you have to tell me how God is? This isn't how God is. This is how God is. Well, I know. Before you can tell us how God is, you have to prove to us there is a God. What's the point in talking about a fantasy person if there's no reason to? He, he doesn't exist. So why even bother with what and who God is and what he's thinking? Yeah, right. You need to establish the existence first. Ramtha, now, now they get into some weird stuff about uh, neuropeptides and chemicals. Ramtha weighs in fairly early on. All emotion is, is holographically imprinted chemicals. Ramtha, I think, has been smoking quite a bit of weed. I think she's smoking a lot more than weed because weed doesn't make you do that. Not she, he. He, she, it's the Ramtha same thing. is a male. Ramtha's... She's just channeling Ramtha. <laughs> <laughs> Why he picked her to channel, I will never know. She's not responsible for this garbage. It's Ramtha. <laughs> Obviously, if she took some pills. <laughs> uh, those those words may be English. But unlike, they make no sense. Unlike interpretation. They occur in a certain order. They make a sentence. But they don't make any sense at all. Yeah, find a subject in that sentence, please. Holographically imprinted chemicals? That doesn't make any sense. They love these, these New Agers, these, these people who are sort of familiar with science. They love borrowing the terms, the jargon of science, to, so that if they talk to really stupid people, they're like, oh my god, well, that, that's that, heavy. That interpretation is awesome. <laughs> Holographically imprinted chemicals. Wow! Wow, that makes no sense whatsoever unless you're on acid. But she uses big words, so she has to know what she's talking about. Obviously. So, um, holographically uh, imprinted... Oh my god. I have to... I'm sorry. I have to... You gotta listen to this one. Yeah, yeah. This is one of my favorites, too. Each cell is definitely alive, and uh, each cell has a consciousness, particularly if we define consciousness as the point of view of an observer. I'll agree that each cell is alive. I'll agree with that too, otherwise you're dead and you're compost. I disagree that each cell has a consciousness, but I love how she qualifies it by saying each cell has a consciousness, particularly if you define consciousness as a point of view of an observer. That's like saying each flower is alive and each flower is conscious, particularly if you define consciousness as having the color yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would just you can't just make up your own idea of consciousness. It makes perfect sense to me because every skin cell in my body is conscious, which is why sometimes if I get into an argument with my skin, it goes away. It walks off. I, I constantly have to tell my um, hair follicles to shut the hell up. <laughs> they are constantly arguing. Look, you're right you by this? my ear. I, keep it down, for God's sakes. Yeah, the stupid consciousness. Now, what God would create consciousness in every cell so we had to listen to them? <laughs> Now, she actually locates the observer, but I thought the physicist said that we'd look we at every orifice, well, and he couldn't find an observer. Maybe he, he hasn't checked her orifices yet. <laughs> in every orifice of hers. <laughs> All right, this, this next one is from our chiropractor, and he actually just absolutely gets it wrong. If we are bombarding the cell with the same attitude and the same chemistry over and over again on a daily basis... When that cell finally decides to divide, when it produces a sister cell or a daughter cell, yeah, I hate it when I get daughter cells, <laughs> that next cell will have more receptor sites for those particular emotional neuropeptides and less receptor sites for vitamins, minerals, nutrients, fluid exchange, and even the release of waste products or toxins. How do you know this shit? <laughs> 
Well, now she's arguing with them, so at least she's on our side. <laughs> yes, how do we know this shit? Um, he's completely wrong. And actually, the neuropeptide lady um, got it right, and he's contradicting her. What happens is, if you constantly bombard a cell, say you're addicted to opiates, for example. Yeah. Your cell will downregulate the opiate receptors because it doesn't need as many. It doesn't need to be exquisitely sensitive to a little floating um, opiate or narcotic molecule on just one part of the cell when it's getting bombarded on every surface of the cell. So it downregulates the receptors. You actually have fewer receptors. That's why you need to take more narcotics to get the same effect. Um, this guy says that if you're bombarding, and that, by the way, that's a negative feedback loop. Um, <laughs> if you're bombarding the cell with the same attitude and the same chemistry over and over again, um, he says that the next cell will have more receptor sites. So it'll be more sensitive to that. It's a positive feedback loop. Well, That'd be like the more opiates you took, the more powerful the response to be for that particular opiate. This makes be. sense to me. This is where we got the hippies of the 60s. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> um, uh, and then they always, these people always go on about, you know, oh, we downregulate the receptor sites for vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, and fluid exchange. And even the release of waste products, are they're always talking about toxins. I guarantee you this guy's uh, got some toxin removal stuff, or oh, what is that, yeah. stuff that. that scrubs the molecules of your colon <laughs> to yeah. get all the stuff out. Oh, there, there's this great uh, noni, noni juice that is supposed to do it. My dad, he drinks some sort of Russian oh, mushroom extract. Yeah. Basically, the excretions of this mushroom are supposed yep. to take away his anxiety attacks and so on and so forth. So he drinks this shit. And I gotta tell you, I've tasted it. It is horrible. Well, yeah. It probably makes you vomit. That's how it works. Well, actually, it made me, uh, gave me the shits. <laughs> <laughs> made it all the way through. These are the same types of people who come in my clinic and say, I am not putting that medication in my body. It's artificial. You go into the home and you open up and they have got shelves, cupboards, cabinets full of herbs and vitamins. As if yeah. we were supposed to put the bark of some Amazonian tree into our system. That's natural. Yeah. But, well, uh, that's always been in our environment until we became modern man. Yeah. If it's natural, then you should just go gnaw on the bark yourself. Don't put it in pill form. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You imagine all these guys. Oh, that's some good bark. <laughs> Pass me some bark. Okay, Ramtha's up again. So we got a couple quotes from Ramtha. Uh, keep in mind, this is from uh, thirty-five thousand years ago. So this very is pretty wise. Very wise. No one has ever came along and ever given you sufficient, intelligent knowledge about your beautiful self. That's so nice of her to give me intelligent knowledge about my beautiful self. I have I noticed that your beauty is very intelligent I've, and knowledgeable. As opposed to stupid knowledge or unintelligent knowledge. Yes. But it's, at least it's sufficient. <laughs> well, go on, Ramtha. Don't yes, let me please, stop you. Continue. Do I think that you are bad? I don't think you're bad. Do I think you're good? I don't think you're good either. I think you're God. Whoa, I'm God. Awesome. I, I am God. Woohoo! Oh, oh, this one I've got to—I've got to play too. Um, uh, <laughs> listen closely for the error. Most people surrender and live their life in mediocrity. I guess they don't teach English in chiropractic <laughs> school either. Well, I hate it when I get to mediocrity. <laughs> the words mediocrity, um, Joe. He is the one that is on a movie and a documentary. Therefore, we are less intelligent. Yeah. So we got um, William Tiller again, who, who informs us that God is the superposition of all of the spirit from all things. This is a material science engineer guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and again, you, you take fancy words and you string them together, it doesn't mean they make sense. No, no. And especially when it comes to Joe's next comment, which is, <laughs> I'm taking the time to create my day and I'm infecting the quantum field. Infecting it with what? Here's, Stupidity? Here's, here's another um, piece of advice for you, Joe. When you're creating your day and you're taking that time, use a condom. <laughs> the quantum field might infect you back. Yes, yes. You'll get the hiv from the quantum <laughs> field. Oh, God. Quantum mechanics. This is Jeffrey Satinover, the psychiatrist and MS in physics. Quantum mechanics allows for the intangible phenomenon of freedom to be woven into human nature. Now, I believe he is talking about free will determinism based on chance. And, you know, 
skip your um, PhD in physics. You're going to talk about this crap. Go into philosophy, all right? Well, um, wait, wait, wait. If he's a psychiatrist and working on a physics degree, he should have the knowledge for philosophy, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Obviously. He, he needs some basic training. Um, William Tiller again, your RPH team, right. Tiller Science. Yeah, his quote is, All of us one day will reach the level of the avatars that we have read about in history. The Buddhas, the Jesuses. Um, that's not history. That's in basic material science. That's material science 101. They teach you metals uh, increase their temperature when you bend, the different tension points and all this stuff about different materials, and they tell you that you know one day each of us are going to reach the level of the avatars. Well, that's before you get your undergraduate is when you learn about the Buddhas and the Jesuses. <laughs> Especially considering that's not history once again. That is religion. Two different things. The final uh, quote is from Jeffrey Satinover, our favorite psychiatrist in MS and physics. Uh, don't just take it at face value. Test it out and see whether it's true. So what you need to do is start taking some time to create your day. Yep. Uh, Even if there are unexplained things happening in your day after you've created that it. That just is God's way of telling you um, you've been successful yes. <laughs> creating your day. Now, the most important thing to do while you're testing this is to meditate on the crime wave. That mm -hmm. way, all violent crime goes down and murders go up. Yeah, uh, except you need to be yogically flying while you're doing it. <laughs> now, somebody please come and demonstrate for I us what yogic flying is. I like to actually see a yogic flying. This this sentiment, um, you hear it all the time in infomercials. Give us a try. Test it out for yourself. Your money back if you know uh, we <laughs> if it doesn't meet your expectations. It's guaranteed. There's no lose. Um, you hear it in, oh my God, uh, except for a couple of those, uh, I read an article about <laughs> this guy was selling penis in, uh, enlargers, enlargers yeah. in pill form and says, you know, your money back guaranteed when they called and said, Hey, this stuff doesn't work. He said, I'll give you your money back, but you have to go to the physician and he has to tell, uh, he has to write down that, yeah. that your penis is small <laughs> and then I'll give your money back. Apparently, there's a class action lawsuit, and he ended up losing millions of dollars on that. Um, well, somebody must have gone and had their penis written <laughs> down as small. <laughs> Although, what self-respecting man would go to his doctor and say, yeah, could you look at my penis? And guess what? If you've got a long penis, you're not going to be <laughs> ordering penis enlargers. No, no. Unless you have very low self-esteem, as Charlie does, but he uses the penis pump, so mine, it's different. Yeah, mine works. I'm not going to get my money back on that one. <laughs> Uh, you just don't want to go to your doctor and have him write down on a paper that your penis is small. <laughs> I don't want that documented anywhere. This is also appears in the Book of Mormon, strangely enough. Yeah. Remember, it was Moroni 10, I think it is, where he says, uh, test these things out in your heart if they're true and pray, and you'll feel a burning sensation in your bosom if they're true. Yeah. It's just a, a common... Yeah, I'm, I'm told that burning sensation will go away with medication. <laughs> I told you, call me Shirley. <laughs> call me Shirley. You know what? Why don't you just answer the question? What, Carson? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, I think we've had enough fun with that. Um, hopefully it's been entertaining. It has been. I really want those two hours of my life back. Yeah, yeah. Do not go watch this movie. We would it. like to rescind any recommendation on watching this This movie, movie is the height of mediocrity. Now, before... <laughs> Before we go, Charlie didn't want me to bring up this particular article. Damn it. Shoot, where is it? I'm not going to show you. There it is. All right, all right, all right. I'm getting to it. The reason why Charlie didn't want me to bring this up is because the title of the article is Critical Thinking Exchange in My Philosophy Class. Now, this is the first paragraph. Earlier today, I showed about 20 minutes of a movie to my philosophy class. What the bleep do we know? Which I highly recommend to anyone. You can stop right there. <laughs> If he had any critical thinking abilities whatsoever, this philosophy professor, he would not recommend that movie to anyone. God! This that pisses what... me off. Out of anyone, well, <laughs> you know, my, my undergraduate degree was in philosophy, right? Yep. But I also did science concurrently because I had to do a bunch of medical pre-med stuff. Um, so I got the critical thinking stuff, and I also got a background in science. And it really angered me when these armchair philosophers, much like this show would talk about this stuff with no scientific background whatsoever. So I guess 
in addition to the philosophical training, the training in logic and critical thinking, you really need a background in science to, to winnow this stuff out. Now, curiously enough, I would like to read the last sentence, which may help you out a little bit. That's my two cents from a philosophy instructor, once again frustrated with my teaching in the Bible Belt. I don't feel sorry for him at all, because uh, he talks about... Um, a fascinating section about how Native Americans couldn't see Columbus's ships oh, when the ships were on the horizon. God. Um, God, he even says, I told my students about how I saw a black ghost dog one time and about how much that impacted me. So he's killing me. He's absolutely killing me. I don't believe in demons. Oh, and so his, his um, students mention demons, and then he gets into a big argument about Christianity. Uh, and so he gets frustrated about teaching in the Bible Belt. I say... You don't have anything to be frustrated about. You are no your stupid superstitions and your stupidity about watching this movie are no worse than these Christians exactly. who believe in their other stupid superstitions. You're just as crazy as everybody else there who you're are positing just, a fantasy creature. You're just as uncritical in accepting your grim ghost and this stupid story about the Indians in Columbus. You're exactly, exactly as uncritical and stupid as these Christians are. So once don't think again, you're any better. Once again... Five minutes of research is all it would have taken you. You know, but these philosophy professors don't know how to use computers. computers. Much like these, uh, what the bleep do we know people. Well, in defense of philosophy people who don't know how to use computers, the Greeks came up with the idea of the <laughs> atom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see? See? You get me all worked up about this stuff. I knew that one would hit home. All right. Let's wind this up. Again, gay penguins on the next AKS Gay News penguins, Network. here they come marching to town. <laughs> <laughs>